to the Sojourn Church podcast. We are glad you are here, and thanks for listening. As a church, we exist to exalt and enjoy the supremacy of Jesus Christ in all things, equip the saints, and extend the gospel to all people by reproducing disciples and churches for the glory of God. More information about the life and mission of Sojourn Church can be found at SojournTulsa.org. That's S-O-J-O-U-R-N Tulsa.org. When we were at New Beginnings uh, Church, um, we went through a process, and I brought some uh, material on disciple-making into the church. It was a big church, and they had been up to eight to 900 people, but they had seen some uh, diminished growth, and so they were down around six-something, uh, 600, and so, but we were saying, hey, how many of our people know how to truly make disciples? And so one of the things that we went through was um, this um, restructuring of some of the core values and the uh, mission statement and uh, some of the processes for elders. Um, and, we, and, and in that, when anytime you step back and do a whole revitalization process, that's a big uh, process to go under. It's, you know, two or three or four years. And even if it sounds really, really good, like um, I, I remember we had an early meeting and, and the first thing I did was I handed out these books and all these guys read and man, they come back like after two weeks and like all six of the elders or five of the elders were just like, Oh man, we're in. Let's do this. We're in. This is incredible. Why have we not been doing some of these things? And some of that was one-on-one disciple making and just deeper discipleship, but then also church planting. And so they saw the vision and they just wanted it immediately. And so along with that come a change of core values. Now, if you know any structure of business or any structure of any organization uh, to change core values, you can put it on the wall real nicely, but it doesn't mean that, that we're acting that way, right? Right? You could have this horrible company that like takes advantage of people, exploits people, but you can have up on the wall like, you know, trust, honesty, um, uh, you know, like love. And, and then people are like, we, we have none of those. Like everyone here is a snake, you know, it's like, and so just because you have them on the wall doesn't mean that that's true. But to truly begin to embody those things to where there's a mind shift or where, where you actually have a majority of people who actually do value them. Their heart is attached to that going, I want to become more like that. I see that, that vision of that, and I want to do that. Help me change. And so that was a huge deal just to kind of go through that. And so what we landed on there was um, we, we changed the mission statement. We changed some core values, and they already had really good ones. So the, the, their, their three core values at the time was biblical, um, transformational, and missional. So that's good. You want to be a biblical church. You want to be missional where you're, you're getting the gospel to lost people. You're making disciples. But then also you um, also the transformational. You want to see change, right? You want to be growing in Christ-likeness. But the one thing that we thought that we, we landed on that was missing, two things, was one was the relational. You can say you're missional, but if you're not relational, Churches tend to be just program oriented, right? And so we have a little a whole, you know, Monday night there's something at the church going on. Tuesday night there's a you know a service thing going on. Wednesday night is church. Thursday night they have a little thing where they're helping people. And so serving, 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 but not relationally um, engaging to make disciples. And so with this push of making disciples, we landed on also on train uh, on uh, relational. We want to make that uh, if you're going to be a part of this church. Are you a relational person? Even if you're the, the shyest person, it doesn't mean that you've got to be this extrovert at all, but, but are you open to relationships that, that God has brought in? And so um, that was good. And then rest was the other one. And so, and rest, um, we, just, we just never could get it communicated what we were talking about. I feel that's probably going to be the case today. You may, be, you may walk away the same way, but um, 
this idea of rest, and one of the elders afterwards, uh, no, he wasn't an elder, he, he became an elder right after this, but he came and he said, he said, yeah, I feel like you guys just looked at a whole bunch of good sounding words, and you kind of cherry pick that one, like, oh, rest would be good. And, and so actually this guy, busiest guy I knew, was working 75 hours a week, but also his kids, he, because he worked 75 hours in a big company, he had tons of affluence, so he was, his kid literally would get out of school on Thursdays and they would tra- you know, go to, from Kansas City to you know, Alabama to Houston to all these things. And, and so just kind of this elite program of sports and they were able to afford it. And also, if you're, if you, if you're rich enough, you can, you can travel. You got the flight. So your kid's not in class on Thursday. You're flying to Alabama. You're flying to Atlanta. You're playing these and, and all this stuff. And, but in that, had to miss a ton of church and had to miss things all the time. Couldn't, had to step back from being in a small group and then could, all these things. And so he said, oh, yeah, just, I feel like you cherry picked that one. And I just thought, man, I think it's the most confrontive one to your life. Like you've clearly had to, hey, during this period, we're, we're checking out a little bit. And, um, and just the elite version, uh, and, and, you know, I'm, Jamie and I were careful. We were, we were not wanting to like, you know, judge like, man, we don't have a kid that, you know, at that age yet, we, we don't know sometimes when, when those th- things kick in to just to say, you can never do those things if, if you have to do that. Now this was an elite squad, like the traveling and all that. But I remember thinking like, I think this one steps on your toes the most. Like, I think this one is uh, really um, difficult for you to hear. Um, when you're surrounded by a culture that's ultra busy, um, overextended in um, just excessive spending or schedules to an unhealthy degree to where um, you, you have nothing to do with church anymore. Um, and so that, that was happening. You guys probably see that. If you've been around um, the Tulsa area, just the greater Tulsa area, it happens. Um, so we want to think through the idea of what rest is not first. So let me, maybe it helps we had never went through and told that group, here's what rest is not. So I got a slide just showing, here's what rest is not. When we talk about that, um, we know that God rested on the seventh day. And so, and then he commanded us to rest. Now, t- God was not tired or weary, even with all that he had done in creation. Um, but as it was a purposeful pause to pause, to look back, to, to, to look back at what God had done, that God was doing that. And what did he say? It's good. It is good. It's good. It's good. It's very good. Look what I've done. I am praiseworthy. He's the only creature that, that uh, not creature, he's the only creator is set apart as the one who, who can take pride in himself and his glory and, and not be called selfish because everything comes from him, created by him, flows through him, back to him, be the glory. And so he paused, he, he remembered and looked back at what he had done. And then he acknowledged that was me. I did all that, and that was beautiful. And I'm doing it not just for my glory and worship, but I'm doing it as the very best thing. I want this planet to be beautiful. I want these people to enjoy the relationships. I want the animals and nature and all these things, the food. That, that's all good. And so um, we know that he did that to, to pause, to remember, and also then to be able to reflect on that. And so um, rest was commanded for us um, with, with, with them. So rest was um, something that, um, it also can come with the most costly consequence if we don't um, understand biblical rest. Not because God wants to bully us and force us to miss out on stuff, but because he's going, hey, the thing that you're missing out on is me, number one. And then spending time in my presence brings so much into your life and changes you so much that you'll experience a deeper life. 
you'll experience a greater life. But if you deny me, marginalize me, and get caught up in all these things, and this other thing becomes the main thing, and this other thing becomes the main thing, and this other thing becomes the main thing, I'm telling you, it's going to be emptiness. It's going to be loneliness. It's going to be pain. It's going to be depression. It's going to be anxiety. I remember one time reading a leadership book, and they talked about it, it is devastating. It's hard on you if you get to your 40s or 50s or 60s, and you, you realize that there is this ladder leaned up against this wall, and you feel like at 40 or 50, you, you really haven't taken very many steps up that ladder. That's a scary place to be. And then this much more wise person said, you know what's scarier is getting to the top of that ladder and standing above everyone else and realizing I've built my life and I leaned it against the wrong wall. The, the, I built my life and spent 30 years getting to this and it's completely the wrong thing to be living for. Because getting here, I'm just as empty as that, that 17-year-old, that, that 23-year-old that has nothing. Uh, it costs my family. It costs my uh, people around me. It costs relationships. And I have all this stuff or these things and busyness. Or I, I seem important to people and no one even knows me. And so um, God is saying, hey, if we don't rest, there's some consequences that come to that. Um, rest is a gift from God and a command from God. But now, anytime God gives a gift, what does Satan want to do? He wants to take it and twist it. And he wants us to either idolize it and misuse it. So what do we do if we idolize it? All I want is just laziness. So we're not talking about laziness when we talk about uh, rest. We're not, biblical rest is not just more naps. Hey, at the office, just take from two to four and just lay your little head down and tell your boss that I'm just having some naps and some num-nums and that's just what I'm doing because my, my pastor told me I need more rest. Jamie made fun of me this past week. So the boys all, we had this miraculous week. First, like universe changed. Um, the older boys, uh, for these, you know, these coaches that, are, that, that go, you know, that have our kids on these schedules. I mean, it's a staggered schedule, and it's like your oldest has to go at this time, the middle school at this time, the elementary. I'm joking because coach is here. And so, but so this is the first time this one day, this Tuesday, for, for years we've had it, you know, this one's up and they got to be there like, you know, 6.15. Then the next one's going to be there like, you know, 7 o'clock or 8, 8 o'clock. And then the next one's going to be there like 10.30. Forces aligned, the stars aligned, and Tuesday morning, Sankey and Owen took Jackson to football practice with them. And Jamie and I were like, oh, well, that night before it stormed, and our crazy psychotic dog that the boys love, um, it, I got about three and a half hours of sleep that night. I had a hard time going to sleep on the front end. The dog goes nuts, was barking, getting up, going crazy. And so at like, you know, 6.15 when the boys left, 6.20, um, I, I, and also my back was kind of jacked up. And I said, hey, I'm going to lay on the heating pad there. And Jamie goes, this is what you do when we leave for school at 6.30 in the morning. You go, and I was like, no, no. She's like, oh, this is it, naps and num-nums. You just want to get you And I was like, no, 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 no. So this is not what biblical rest is. You don't go back to bed. It's not about sleeping more. It's not about working less. And so um, look up on the screen there. Um, we will tend to resist obedience to it. We will tend to refuse it. We will misuse it. We will abuse it. We will idolize it. And, and, and then sometimes we begin to lust after this false version of rest. It's not pausing and looking at what God has done and appreciating him and have a heart full of worship. It is a heart full of me and my comfort. And the next thing I know, I've got a habit going to where I'm doing these things where I'm being unproductive. I'm not providing. I'm not doing the things 
things I should be doing in my relationship with God. And work is not a result of the fall. So in Genesis, work is going to be going on in heaven. So if you think that, oh, I can't wait till heaven because my job's hard. It's going to be a different job probably. Um, but I mean, somebody's got to deliver mail. And so in that, in heaven, there's going to be work. Work was part of the blessing. It's, it's a good thing. And so work will be going on in heaven. I don't know what that looks like. God was, didn't, didn't give us the clarity on that. But work is not a result of the fall. Work was part of the blessing. And so we're, we're going to be doing things. Um, rest is not physical laziness or an excuse for it. Rest is not spiritual laziness. Um, it's actually more spiritual effort in a different way. Rest is not working less hard. Rest is not disobeying Scripture and you know, kind of just opting out on fellowship. Well, that COVID hit you know, three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, and I just, we just haven't made it back yet because we're just trying to be careful. You know, like, I, I haven't heard of a person in however long. And so like, but, but, uh, well, COVID hit, and so we're, we're just being careful and staying back out of church. And so that, that happens a lot. 50 to 60 million, I heard in the last two weeks, read a thing, 50 to 60 million Americans in mainstream church that were in church in, I think it was 2015 or 2010, 50 to 60 are not back in. And not, not just because of COVID, they were already dropping out. And so there's this whole, now you're going to start seeing all these books. It's, I've been talking about it for over a year. Y'all have heard me. And I've heard people saying like, Sank, yeah, I don't know. I think everything's full. And, and just 50 to 60 million are gone. And so that, that says a lot. Now this happened in Europe. So just read a little bit of history. This happened in Europe. So everyone's afraid because the, the Muslims took over Europe and Christianity is very weak. Largest congregations are like 60 or 80 or 120 people in many places in Europe. And so that happened uh, a couple of decades ago. And so just, just letting you know, those things are there. So there's all these books about the de-churching of America coming out. That's not what this is talking about. It's not just people just opting out for that. And, and that's what I'm talking about as rest. Opting out of church, opting out on being committed uh, so we can be more entertained or relaxed or comfortable. This has to do with this idea of ceasing from striving in an unhealthy way. Um, it, it does not mean don't work hard. It does not mean uh, don't, don't provide. It does not mean do not labor intensively. Um, it doesn't mean take more naps or recliners and Doritos. It has more to do with a deep-seated understanding uh, that constantly informs and changes my perspective. And so um, we're going to get it. I hope I'm going to flesh that out for you. But here, let's define it first. I've got a definition. We're going to go into each of these terms. So to define rest, I've got it on the slide there. It is resting in the sovereign plan and work that God has accomplished for us in Christ, his person and work, and then enabled and empowered by the Spirit through our total submission, obedience, and trust in him. So it is God's sovereignty and God working and God doing these things and me seeing that and responding in faith and obedience. So it's not just let go and let God. It's not, oh, well, God did this stuff so I can just be lazy over here. It, no, it takes man's responsibility. It takes you being faithful. It takes you being committed and you being obedient. Um, so let's look at resting. Resting, it's a, in, in that, that, that definition there. It is resting. First of all, it's a, a ceasing to striving to be good enough, to live good enough, to be approved enough, to be accepted enough on your own merit and efforts and morals. You would ever take the time to slow down and pause the reason why you're so anxious and worked up and stressed and frustrated. I'm just not good enough. Seems like I can't be good enough. Seems, seems like I can't do good enough for my family, for my spouse, for my, my, my dad's approval, for my mom's approval, for my boss's approval. Just not good enough. Not good enough. And this says, hey, rest. Doesn't, doesn't mean don't work. It says, hey, rest. My new identity, I'm going to work as hard as I can. 
and I may not be the richest. I may not be the most respected guy in the office. The, the guys go and do whatever, but I, I know what my identity, I know what faithfulness in Christ, I'm going to rest in that. I may lose and I get passed by on other things. Um, I may, I'm going to try to work as hard as I can with the gifts. I'm not going to overextend myself and do you know, 70 hours when I need to do 40 and take care of my family and be present with my family, be present uh, real solidly with the people around my life because that's my number one priority is my relationship with God, loving the Lord your God with our heart, heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself, that means you lose on some things. It means your, your identity is embedded in Christ. Um, so you are never supposed to play that game. You're never qualified to play that game. You don't have any monopoly money in that game. Um, you weren't supposed to be playing that game. We were blind, poor, and spiritually bankrupt. We could never qualify to play the game of being good enough. You are good enough, and I'm not trying to do a self-esteem boost. I'm not huge on self-esteem and pride. The Bible never tells us to be, to be more prideful. But you are good enough because Christ died for you and it has renewed you. Now, you, if you're sinning purposely, you need to cut that out, shut the door to that, repent, and, and walk in obedience. But it's not about you earning favor in front of God. Because the next part there, the sovereign plan. So you're resting in the sovereign plan of God. God's goodness his wisdom, faithfulness, and steadfast love is the track record and the renown that's worthy of our trust. When you look at God's faithfulness, his track record, his renown, who's he dropped? Who's he completely let fall? Who does he not just somehow brought through all the difficult things? What is the Bible a record of? That, that's a, it's a story after story after story. We, don't, we do not have to try to play God or try to force our will or control over all things. Anyone struggle with that? Worried about where my kids are at. Where, where are my kids at with their education? Where's my kids at with, with their ability? Where's my kids at? And so what do I do? I go create this huge list. I've got to be, I've got to do more and more. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. And what do we do? Just never good. It's never enough. It's never good. It's never good enough. God knows where your kid. God, God knew that your kid was wired that way. God knew that your kid was going to have a division. Even if you have a major diagnosis. God knew that was coming. You can rest. And it doesn't mean you don't do anything, but it means that when you get frantic and anxious and all this spinning and all this trouble and all this work, is this causing you not to deal with people and you're in an unhealthy situation and God is gone and all this trouble? God's going, hey, you, you can rest in me. You can trust in me. I've got a plan. I knew that news was coming. I knew that was going to happen. I, I, you can rest in me. Look, look at my track record. So we can rest in God's sovereign plan. Um, in the work that God has accomplished for us further. So resting in the sovereign plan and the work that God has accomplished for us. God's work of salvation that was accomplished completely, wholly in Christ. You cannot add to your acceptance or approval. Better quiet times? I even cut out those sins. Man, I, had, I, I, I cut all the, uh, you know, whatever the horrible things that you did before, and I got saved, and then for a long period of time, I kind of struggled and dabbled and struggled, but now, now I'm really approved. I've started having better quiet times. I'm not doing those three or four things I was doing. Now, God, do you accept me more? Now, am I, am I proven it enough, God? Man, so you add to that, if you had a jacked up dad who was, you never earned their approval, man, it, it's tough. Takes years of getting out of it. If you never got your dad's approval, never got your mom's approval, never got that main coach's approval, and now you've got this invisible God that you feel like you can never do good enough, he's going, hey, because of Jesus, 
That's why Jesus' life is important. We love his, his death on the cross. His life was a worshipful act of, Father, I'm not going to disobey you. I'm tempted just like every man. Every man, he, he noticed beautiful women. He noticed uh, beautiful situations. He noticed um, gluttony. I, I don't want to eat too much food there. Uh, I could slander and talk about these disciples. Man, these, I'm having some problems, man. Judas is doing some stuff. Didn't gossip, didn't slander. He was tempted just like us, lived completely obediently to the Father, never sinning, and you and I need that. The Father says, that's what you get to stand before in heaven. The way that you're going to live is what Jesus lived on the earth. Perfect, holiness, righteousness, all that accredited to you, imputed to do to you for all eternity. You can't make it better. You can't add to what Jesus did. You can't get more approval. And man, do we try. We try from little conversations that come out. Like my, my family, here, here, here's, what, here's what we do. Yeah, here, here's how we do things. Here, here's how we do this. My job, here's how I do this. Here's what we do. Here's what I've done. It just comes out, and, and, and we're seeking people's approval. We're thinking we're also secretly, that I'm stacking up IOUs to God. Look what I'm doing. Look what I'm doing. Am I more approved? Resting says, never going to be more loved by God. He, he, he ripped apart his son while you were enjoying sin. He slaughtered and had his son ripped apart while you were in your worst, most secret things. That's when he said, I'm going to come after you. You weren't worthy of it. That's what kind of love this guy lavished on you. And for us to think that I can improve that, now I've cleaned myself up a little bit? No way. And so I can rest. I'm a good mom. I'm a good dad. Doesn't mean that you need to quit and like, oh, I think he said, I'm good. So, hey, boys, I ain't going to any games. I'm not going to talk to you about the Lord. I ain't going to help you with homework. We ain't going to cook for you. We ain't going to, hey, think he said, I'm good. That's not what that's talking about. But you're doing your best and you can rest in that, that, that work that God has done. And the biggest thing is, is letting um, salvation be, be formed out in us. So that's the work that God has accomplished in us. In the work, in the person and work of Christ, his perfect obedience and life, never one sin. That's the righteousness we need in heaven, his substitutionary death, and his resurrection and glorification. So you're resting in, got some really bad news. You got cancer at 36. That's a bad week. Many of us have had people have that happen, right? That stinks at 28. That stinks at, um, I remember Jamie had a lump one time come up, and so then we went to the doctor, and she was like 20. I don't know if she's like 26 or 27. And Jane, if you know, she's like, so she's all holding it together, holding it together, holding it together. The doctor comes in, does this stuff. They do this little test. And so I'm standing there, you know, trying to be a good husband. You know me, I'm going to be asking questions for that week beforehand. She just, I guess she's just holding it all in. Like, I think she's sharing with me. Are you, are you okay? You know, are you, you know, we're going to find out on Thursday and all this stuff. The guy walks out and he's like, hey, just want to let you know, it's nothing. It's a da-da-da. And she just bursts, like, oh, just like, just bursts. And that's a lot of emotions. Like maybe that's once or twice. She's like, oh my gosh. And she's like heaving. And I was like, where, where was this? Like, was you really that worried? Like, you know, I, I mean, I was concerned also, but like, it was a huge deal. And that doesn't say how weak she was, but that, that's, a, that's a traumatizing thing at 26 or 27 to go, this may be bad, you know? And so um, in that, how much does the resurrection mean? How much the hope of the resurrection and his glorification that this is not the end? This stinks for my lifeline plan, but in my trajectory plan, but man, I'm resting because he resurrected from that grave. 
So, so we're resting in those things. It applies in different ways. Um, and it's enabled and empowered by the Spirit. Again, God working in us and through us, enabling us with the desire for obedience, empowering us with Christ's imputed righteousness, instead of it all depending on your own willpower, you, you just clenching it and, 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 and white-knuckling it and trying to be better, trying to be better, trying to be better, learning how to rest. So this is a combination of the Spirit. So let's look at some scriptures in the New Testament that talk about that. Um, well, let me go with this first. Um, through our total submission and obedience and trust in Him. So it's not just let go and let God. Um, it's not like God created robots because... Um, yes, it is let go of trying to control everything, trying to play God over your circumstances. And we do it in a thousand different ways. You want to struggle with some little control things, little control issues? Um, we do it in a thousand different ways. It is letting go of trying to earn approval and acceptance before God that only Jesus could do and already has done for us. And we do that in a thousand different ways. It's letting go of trying to pretend and perform your own righteousness to impress people, the fear of man. I'm trying to let people know how good I am. That's just the fear of man. If you haven't done a study on the fear of man, you should check that out. Um, so rest, this kind of rest is usually not only very hard for us, but it's almost a lost art. Instead of resting in Christ in many areas of life, we usually tend to immediately shift into, I need to do more. I, I need to be more. I need to work harder. I need to be better. I need to do better. I need to do more for God. And by the way, that has transferred over to mainstream churches, the message. Every week you leave feeling you've got to go do more. We've got to go do more. We've got to go do more. We've got to go do more. And sure, the church is struggling right now. And there's lots of evangelism and discipleship not happening. And lots of people that have fallen out. But at the same time, you, if, you're, if you're hearing every message that's motivating you just more, you need to do more, you're never good enough, you're never good enough, we, we love that. And people come back. Churches are built off of that. Um, rest frees you from all those thousands of ways of striving. Um, and many times, that's the press of the mainstream and even some reform camps where it's exhausting and destroying people. So remember Josh Harris and I kissed dating goodbye. And then um, it began to see, he began to say, well, you know, this, this, this religious thing, it's just, it's just this thing that's just killing me and killing me and killing me. He's like, well, hold it, hold it, hold it. The thing that's killing you is not what following Jesus is about. It's your list of rules and legalism that's killing you. It's your legalism and all this. You have a jacked up view where you're, you're trying to control everything and make everyone else controlled. And you're trying to do everything and create this little um, circumstantial situations on everything and that everyone else has to follow. And yeah, that, that's not Christianity at all. You're relying on your own good lists and own good morals. And that's what you walked away from. You didn't walk away from Jesus because you don't understand the grace of Jesus. So when we look at those compared to those other things, um, conviction, confession, repentance, renewal that we've talked about. So rest is big in every one of those. And we're going to talk about that at the end. Um, so if we've experienced conviction, like we've talked about, so that's one of the things that we've talked about this summer and seen some scriptures on that, the conviction from the Lord over our sins. And then also if we desire to agree or confess our sin, uh, and then if we repent and turn from our sins, um, then we have this aspect of transformation and renewal that happens. Um, so think of 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. So we have the scripture there. 
Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Man, if you've been living that, does that not sound good? He come to bring you freedom. Not make you work harder to earn towards salvation or make your salvation better. Where the Spirit is, there's, there's freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding. What if we change that? Instead of beholding the Lord, working harder. Doing more. Impressing others. Doing better. That will lead to the glory of the Lord. That's all it says. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding, staring, gazing, captivated by the glory of the Lord, at who He is and what He's done, we are being transformed. So beholding, gazing, staring equals being transformed. Working and striving and trying to kill yourself and exhausting yourself and, and comparing all the time how other people are doing and reading all these other blogs about how they're doing this and that and you're, you're just nothing compared to that and you're, you're failing in all these ways. Man, there's no God in your universe. And he's going, man, j- just rest. Beholding, gazing. It doesn't mean that you know your baby's crying and your kids are going crazy and you're like, well, thank you said, let's rest. So I'm going to kick back on the couch and if fire happens in the kitchen, too bad. That's not what it's talking about. You're still responsible. You're still obedient, committed, but you're not exhausted to where the point in Christianity is not even enjoyable anymore. We are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. This comes from the Lord who is spirit. So rest is gazing, staring, amazed, and captivated. It's Philippians 2, 12 through 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so that's the given. I'm not, I'm not taking, I'm not saying don't be obedient anymore. Now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Man, my mom always thought that that meant that you've got to kind of hold on to your salvation. You've got to, got to do all these good stuff. You better be doing these things. That's not what it's talking about. What does it say right after that? For it is... God who is working in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So it is a responsibility, uh, and we're going we're to do the book of Philippians next. And so we're going to find out more, but what does it mean by that? Well, if it's, if it's just you earning and working, it goes against everything about the grace of, of the gospel. If it's you holding on to it and working and earning salvation, that can't be what it means. The rest of the, the Bible is not talking about that. So having this pausing and this, this fear, this respect for what God is in, because he says, it, remember, it's God who's working in you. It's God who's doing this stuff. And he's to will and to work in you. So Ezekiel 36, the Spirit comes and he enables you. He empowers you to do that. He make, gives you the desire to want to. And now you've got to respond to be responsible. It, it's an issue of faithfulness on your part also. Romans 8, um, I'm not going to go through that one. But um, this idea of rest. And so as we turn to Psalm 37, uh, that's a lot of intro. But like I said, so I, I, I'd like to do three things on rest but I don't want people to walk away going like, so we just you know, sit back and do nothing? Or we, we, you know, we're not supposed to be responsible? Is that what you're saying? So I hope you have a bigger understanding. As we go to Psalm 37, look there. We're going to go through um, verses uh, 1 through 11. So I'm going to read those. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord and trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. 
Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. So, Father, we pray that you would open our eyes to this beautiful gift that you want to give us, that it leads to freedom, that leads to enjoyment, that leads to greater worship. And it's because of what you have done for us and how great you are, not how great we are. So let us rest in you and learn how to rest in all these other aspects. In your name we pray. Amen. So that first section there, um, this idea of rest. If we were honest, um, we are people who struggle with worry, with anxiety, with concern about all the evil out there. So look at that verse 1 there. Fret not yourself because of those evildoers. Anyone noticed with that gift of social media? How now you're alarmed by all that's going on with the culture, and they're, they're, they're taking Christianity away, they're destroying the church, they're taking away all our rights. And so there's all these reminders that all this stuff is happening, and it is happening. There, there's very clear things that are going on. And so um, but what we tend to do, instead of resting, we want to fight in ways that sometimes is not like Christ at all. We want to attack. We want to belittle. We want to hurt. We want to uh, angry... Uh, just disengage or disengagement completely instead of engaging them with the gospel. We want to disengage and isolate and just hate. And he says, there's going to be evildoers. Guess what? God didn't wake up last Saturday and go, oh man, this has gone really bad. There's some evil going on in the world. Like, I, I didn't realize this was going to get this bad. Like from the beginning, Cain and Abel, it's a bad deal, right? Like he wasn't surprised and he wasn't shocked and he had a, a plan and so we're wired not to rest due to the fall. Um, so we do. We worry about those things, those cultural issues. Um, and if we're honest, we struggle with envy and jealousy over those who seem to defy God and kind of hate Christianity and don't go by his rules and, 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 and all those things. That's what that second part says. Be not envious of the wrongdoers. And a lot of times what happens, it seems like I've been trying to follow God and do good and it only leads to more difficulty and more marginalization. And in today's society, just almost abuse. So what happens? We fear and we worry. We fret. We're anxious. You see the need for rest. Like God's saying, hey, I know those things are going on. You can rest in me. I I've told you, I'm not going to fail you. I'm not going to um, betray you. So... In verse 2, it says the big picture there, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither. He says they're, they're not going to be around. Um, if you notice the news lately, um, you know, when I was growing up, it was that, that, that thing that you would, everyone was busy with school or work, and then you'd have dinner, and then you would go outside and you'd ride bikes or you'd play, or your parents were doing the dishes and uh, doing stuff. And then at 10 o'clock, if you got to stay up and watch the news with your parents from 10 to 10.30, Right, And so then you found out, here's some stuff, 98% locally, here's some stuff going on in your neck of the woods, they're fixing some potholes down so-and-so street. Now, what do we have? Phones that as you're talking to people, uh-huh, yeah, oh, it's nothing, some, some, something happened over in Thailand, it's nothing. Oh, hold on a second, oh, that's a call, oh, I gotta, I'm gonna have to go pick up my kids a second, go ahead, oh, hold on a second, that, that's what's going on, and we're, we're inundated with this. Um, 
We used to could wait till 10 p.m. to find out the news, but now people have these, these things, these things that serve as risk reminders and evil everywhere reminders. Phones, watches, emails, tweets, texts, notifications, prompts, pushes, beeps, pings, buzzes, all letting us know constantly there's a new scandal, there's a new tragedy, there's a new travesty, there's a new corruption, a new devastation, a new calamity, a new catastrophe, a new disaster, a new impropriety, a hurricane, tornado, fire, flood, storm, somewhere. And it's, tw- it's tweets, it's pings, it's texts, it's email, and it's going on constantly. Um, we have minute-by-minute minute reminders to worry, to fear, and to not rest more than any other time in society. You just didn't know what was happening in Japan or Arkansas, for that matter. Um, do we even realize the different ways that we're wired to be constantly striving, striving for something even when we don't realize it. So how difficult is it for you to do what this scripture said, be still before the Lord? What do you do instead of being still before the Lord? Is it hard for you to have just a free time just to sit in silence? If you're not taking a nap, for you to stop and just think about God for 20 minutes without checking email, checking um, devices? Is it hard? So striving for approval. Um, there's some things there. Striving for approval, striving for possession, striving for acceptance, striving for respect, striving for love, striving to impress. If we don't realize, we're doing these things all the time. Um, things that we don't even notice we're doing. Striving for entertainment, striving for the next experience. So now there's a big thing in all the church writings that so that's what the next generation, that's what people are expecting. You have to provide an experience is what people are looking for, an experience. Um, striving for pleasure, striving for wealth, striving for relationships. How, how much time do we spend planning? Now, that doesn't say, so the Bible also talks about being wise, to be able to set, set money back, to, to be able to do that. Now, if it begins to occupy all your time to where you're completely obsessed with it and you're spending you know, eight, 10 hours a week thinking about when you're 75, um, you may not make it 75, but you, you don't have time for people in your life, and you don't have time to disciple people. You don't have time to um, have uh, times of devotion with the Lord and times of worship, and you're, you're not committed to these people's relationships because you got to spend this extra you know, eight hours a week working on the, the future of your finances, the future of those things. It's wise to, to think through what God has given us, but if you're, if you're looking past people with needs right in front of you, and you're just like, well, because oh, I'm planning this, I'm planning this, I'm planning this, you, you've missed it. Um, so striving for all those things, um, and God in his goodness, he offers us rest. Now look at these, we're not, we're not covering every one of these verses, but I wanted you to see the thrust of this. Notice what he says there. So he's talking about there's evil out there in the culture. There's brokenness out there. We tend to worry and have anxiety, depression. We tend to work ourselves into a tizzy over these things. And, and now look what he says there. And I'm not, we're not going to cover all these. We're just, I'm going to hit the big um, verbs that he's hitting here. So, so trust in the Lord. Man, your identity in Christ, it's okay. Trust. And notice he says, and do good. So stay faithful. Stay, stay obedient. It doesn't do away with obedience. It doesn't do away with faithfulness. It doesn't do away with purity or holiness. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. What is the picture of dwell? Do you know any people that would move into an area that's extremely dangerous and horrible and they could threatening to their whole life and that they just, oh, let's just dwell here. No, the picture of dwell for the people of Israel and dwell in the land, what had he promised forever with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? There's going to be this land 
And there's going to be this peace, this shalom that's going to come. You can dwell there. So dwell has this idea of safety. When you think of someone who dwells, they're this person who seemed to be at peace. No matter what circumstances are going on, they're able to dwell. There's a worship conference for, for pastors, and they just call it dwell. They knew the pastors would be like, I want to go there because I want to just sit and just soak up for a while. I just need some, some pouring into my soul. So just dwell. And so um, that's a beautiful picture there. And how do you do that? Because you can trust in the Lord. This is a big one. Four and seven are the main thrusts there. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight. So you see this connection between resting and what you love most. That's what delight is. That's what enjoyment is. What is at your heart core level? Um, and so what is it that you love? Are you delighting in the Lord? If you're not, if you just go, hey, I was at a camp. I asked Jesus into my heart, and now I've been really getting out, working really, really hard. I'm, I've tried to do, uh, stay away from the bad things. I'm trying to do all the good things. That, that's not delighting in the Lord probably, Right? Every once in a while, you're probably like, oh, man, I'm thankful for the Lord's Supper because that makes me pause, and that's the only time we're doing it. The rest of the week, Sunday night, I'm kicking in from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, right? And Monday morning, it just all hits. That's not delighting in the Lord. And he says, commit your way. And he says, he will give you the desires of your heart. Notice this, that in delighting in the Lord, so um, he will give you the desires of your heart. I think each one of us has a little box, a little gift box, and we go, oh, I know what my desires are. So um, beachfront house, water that I can hear, a deck overlooking that every night, hearing those waves lap up, a tundra truck sitting out front, plenty of money in, in the bank where you don't have to worry. Man, the great food that I want, um, uh, just a really good relationships, there's Sankey's desires of my heart. You just said, if I delight in you, God, you'll give me my desires. Well, sometimes that ain't happening, right? What if, it, what if it, he means this? If you begin to delight in the Lord, you begin to share his heart. The things that he cares about, it may never be a beach house. It looks like it ain't ever going to be a tundra truck because it's been like over 15 years I've wanted the tundra truck and it just hadn't happened. It, it may never be this and this and this that I thought that was what I was delighting in because he's going, I want, I want you to care about the thing that I gave my son for, for souls, for the word of God, for worship, to care for people, to, to, to serve people who have less than you do, to, to not look over them, but to engage with them, to, to care about people. To, to not look at uh, what people's socioeconomic status, not look at their skin color, to look at their, their, their priority, to not look at their, their status in, in culture, but to, to love whoever that is. And uh, now in delighting in the Lord, he gave me the desires. It's a new box of desires. Oh, it's not the tundra. It's not the beach house. It's, it's, it's you folks. It's your family. It's, it's the people around you. And some of them are not real desirable. But isn't it interesting, if we, we treasure the Lord and we delight in Him, all of a sudden we can engage with them and it become, becomes a point where you're trying to minister to them. He will bring forth your righteousness as a light. How did He do that? And how did He bring forth righteousness and judge, justice? Through Christ. It, was, it wasn't He finally got you to the point where you're good enough. It was, hey, I'm going to bring forth Christ. That's going to be your righteousness. Justice is going to happen. The people that have hurt you, they're not getting away with it. My son died for some of them, and the others, they're going to face eternity of hell. So it's not, justice is happening. Justice happened on my son, evil with innocence, 
And then justice is going to happen for all eternity for people who stay separated from God. And he says in verse 7, He uh, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Again, we have this tendency to not be very good at waiting patiently at the, for the Lord. Um, just, it's just a difficult thing for us to do. Um, and then the, notice the last part there. Refrain from anger, forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. Have you noticed that, how difficult um, putting away anger and resting in the Lord? You guys have heard Jamie and I talk about several situations with people that sometimes the most difficult hurts are when people that you never thought would hurt you hurt you the most. And so when you get stabbed in the back or stabbed in the throat by people you thought that would never do that, what do you do in response? You take them out, you slander them, you go after them, try to stab them, or do you rest? And let me tell you, I thought as my tears and quiet times and moaning before the Lord and crying out and not telling people what had happened, like, I'm going I'm to carry this, we're going to do this, God will fix this, and God will make this right. And there will be a day when two years later, three years later, it will all come out, and that person will probably be destroyed, and, I, and it didn't happen. And we never got recompensed for that. We never got paid back for the things that happened to us. We never got, it, 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 but just resting in the Lord. Do you know what happens? I'm closer to the Lord. I'm closer. His presence got me through those times, and you never get the payoff. You never get them like, oh, they had a car wreck, finally. I knew that was going to happen. That, that doesn't happen. And, you, and he says that that leads to evil. Do you want evil to happen to them? No, you want them to be rescued and redeemed just like you were. You're, you're delighting in him, and that changes everything. And so um, you don't have to go into anger and all those things. Um, Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I know what you're going through. The Spirit's going, I know what you're worried about, what you're fretting about. All those things come to me, and I, I'll give you rest, rest for your soul. Rest for your soul ends up being satisfaction in Him. Satisfaction at a soul level when I've been striving and doing all these things and trying to find satisfaction, and, and you, you grab the next one, you go around the cul-de-sac, and you get that tundra truck, and three people go, man, it's an awesome truck. You're like, man, it didn't fulfill. It's just sitting in the driveway. Why did I think that metal and rubber were going to fulfill my heart? Why do I think that you know water, H2O, and sand are going to fulfill my heart? He's going, that's nothing to delight in. Don't idolize that. I'm what you can delight and trust in. So as we close, I want you to think through kind of our walkaways. Um, rest goes deep. It goes far deeper than a nap or sleeping or a pass for laziness. What areas are you wound tight where you're always spinning in anxiety or worry or stress? More, 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 be more, do more, perform more. Is it your work, your job, fear of the future, finances, just ambition sometimes? Is it your spouse, Is it a significant other, parenting, school, what heart idols are motivating this unhealthy striving? Now, go beyond the, the, the action. So even if you're able to go, oh man, here's an area I really am stressed about, and I'm doing these things, go, go deeper. 
Don't just stop there and go, I, I tend to do these things. I tend to do the, go, go beyond the actions you're doing because you're going to need to repent of those and change that. Go to what's making, what's at the core. So in counseling, they say, here's the presenting problems. You know, Well, I've got problems with my job. I've got problems with my boss. I've got problems with their finance. I've got problems with their cars. I've got problems with my kids. What's at the core? What's at the core? Let, let's work on that because it takes a long time to just work on that. That may never change. That may never change. That may never change, right? But let, let's, let's work at the core. And so this is asking, hey, if you're, if you're doing those things, we want to get to where we're not doing those. We want to get to rest, but you need to find out what's at the center of that. Um, what would rest look like? What areas? Um, what would rest look like? Learning to rest. Ask what is at the core level of my heart that keeps seeking this and motivating this? And then what rhythms of rest or gazing or staring would help me? What, what, what would be some natural rhythms? If it's three times a week with your family, just taking five to six minutes and talking about the, the sermon the past week, the, the passes that we covered. If it's a, a devotional that you'd had. If it's just, just talking about some questions, asking the kids some questions, or having uh, someone that you're meeting with to go through some things that's growing in your soul once or twice a week on that. Um, if it's having uh, man, a three to seven minute time of just, just pausing and saying, Lord, I want to learn to rest. Holy Spirit, will you just bring up some things? It may take you three, four, five minutes to stop having thoughts come in. Just like, I got to do this, got to do this. I'm supposed to be just focusing right now to rest in the Lord. I want to hand these things over. I want to hand off these anxieties. He says he can take those. It's not about me becoming stronger and stronger to where I can handle all. He wants me to trust and rest in him. So think through that as we pray, as we go to this first song. Um, rest says there's a, another way, and he gets the glory out of it, and you get him in the middle of rest, not all the other stuff. And, and if, you, if you think heaven's going to be more than that, you're going to be let down. You probably aren't going there anyway. So let me pray. Pray.